Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast where we explore compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. And I'm Brittany. And this week, we're exploring the theme of play in Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. To start us off, we've got a quote. This quote comes from the first episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, when Katara is meeting Aang. And this is the conversation with Aang speaking first after he awakens from being unfrozen in the iceberg. I need to ask you something. What? Please, come closer. What is it? Will you go penguin sledding with me? A perfect way of being introduced to... (laughs) Aang. Aang. (laughs) (laughs) The tone of the show. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And yeah, I think a, a really great way to show us who Aang is, who is, he's a kid. He mm-hmm. is a 11, 12 year old kid. He likes playing. He likes having fun with people. It's mm-hmm. not that he just wants to do this, but he's asking her if she'll do it with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, doesn't know these two people, <laughs> doesn't have, uh, well, he, he knows nothing of what's happened mm-hmm. since he was frozen in the ice. And he's kind of trying to ignore that part. Totally. But it's just like, oh, they're kids. They could play with me. <laughs> yeah. And your point about him ignoring it, I think, is is also an important part of how Aang deals with playing, where sometimes he uses it as a way of trying to let himself feel normal and escape the responsibility and the trauma that he's experienced thus far. And so mm-hmm. for him to wake up after this awful storm and, and him running away and seeing two kids, this gives him an excuse that he doesn't have to think about his responsibilities. He can just play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you get the impression we only really got to see him interact with Boomy in these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And we hear about Kuzon, a, a kid from the Fire Nation, but you get the impression that he forms relationships with people by playing, you know? As Absolutely. Most kids do. Yeah, and it's also just so Aang to have the first thing that he thinks of be. Oh, I'm in the South Pole. Let's go penguin sledding. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're at Kyushu Island. Let's ride the Unagi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you also were, were so right about how this this very much introduces the tone of the show too, where it's clear this is our protagonist, this is our hero, and the show is going to be not self serious. It's not going to be. <laughs> Uh, it's going to place a lot of importance on play and on jokes and on having fun and, and being adventurous and, and these other kinds of things. But still against the backdrop of important things are happening here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know he's frozen in an iceberg and you, you know, the next couple lines, like, you know that he's hiding something. So yeah. it's like, you know that, but then it has, like, play interspersed with that, which, yes, is the show. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, should we get into... Our analysis of the show? Yes, but to the character you're bringing. Yeah, sure. Um, So I did think about bringing Aang, um, which is why I'm glad that we talked about him in the quote, because I decided to actually go with a different character from a different series. I want to talk about Bolin. Okay, okay. He is also pretty playful. He is, yeah. And I, I find Bolin's humor as kind of one of the main characteristics that we get introduced to him through. That he is often in a group of him and Korra and Mako, the first three of that team avatar. He is the playful one. He's the one with jokes. He's the one who's the comic relief 
Mako is very self-serious. Yeah. <laughs> and Korra is just kind of intense. <laughs> yes. And he, you know, teaches Pabu how to do tricks. And, exactly. You know. And so I feel like that kind of personality trait of, of valuing play and fun and, and yeah, tricks and, and jokes and, and all these other kinds of things um, is an interesting element for Bolin to have because it is, I think, one of his major personality traits. I think it's, it's important to him as a way of looking at the world and engaging with the world. And I think that's interesting as a way of responding to the really difficult childhood that him and Mako had, where the two of them kind of went in very different directions, or Mako took it very seriously and, and believes in responsibility and all these other kinds of things. And Bolin, I think that he's still a very hardworking person, but he also is someone who tries to find joy and tries to find good relationships and he kind of puts his energy in those directions in ways that that I find to be an interesting choice particularly with that background yeah and I also appreciate his humor because it is so good-natured it is a lot of it is just yeah him doing funny things with Pabu them, them doing tricks or something together, or him giving Pabu a voice or, or whatever it might be. But also, it can be based off of his kind of radical vulnerability and honesty, where <laughs> he can be emotionally clear how he's feeling at a time. And it's played for a joke, certainly, to us, the audience. But I think that even with the group, people will laugh, and he doesn't take that as they're laughing at him. I think that it's part of the way that he interacts with people that he can be both good-natured and this kind of emotionally honest person and not have it be in a way that's afraid of judgment or that is so playful that it's it's actually dishonest. I think that it is still an honest element of the way he interacts with people. It's just, yeah, it brings this extra level, particularly to the audience, of that, that vulnerability and that honesty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think that he's a playful person in just the the relationships he builds. But then he's also a pro bender. He is someone who plays a game as a job in some ways, um, uh, you know, in a way that, that is meant to be professional. And he c- is the only one of the three of them to continue pro bending after the, th- the other two stop being parts of the firefighters. He tries to keep it going, even with these new, <laughs> yeah. less capable recruits, but he still kind of has that passion I think for the game there and he's also the only one between him Mako and Korra who doesn't kind of have a intense over competitiveness and arrogance with the game he doesn't have the intense rivalries or or feel like the need to um yeah be over competitive which Korra and Mako have even with each other at times in the game when the three of them are not happy with one another and it's affecting their performance he's still the one who's like, come on, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who are like, no, I've got this. And and I appreciate that aspect of his his playfulness. I think it, it's similar to how he approaches humor, where it's still kind of community-focused, where he likes playing this game as a team, and he likes having those relationships. And it's not just a way for him to show off. It's not just a way for him to be the best. It's a way for him to, yeah, play a game that he is good at, but that he is able to do in community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting too, because then you have him being in the movers, mm-hmm. right? And 
that's a, a playful field to go into. Absolutely. Right? He's play acting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and then, though, in the final season, I feel like he loses a bit of that. Yeah. And, and it's a good reason why that sort of job is not a good fit for him working mm-hmm. for a military. <laughs> That's that's just not Bolin. Yeah, and even that I could see it's because he's so romantic. It's he's not someone who is really critically analyzing what is this organization doing well. It's more like these people tell me we're doing good, so I think that we're doing good. Mm-hmm. And he did the same thing with Varric in the Movers and and all these other <laughs> kind of elements. I think that he has this kind of naivete, which yeah, maybe that's that's tied in some way. That is. He is someone who, I don't think that he's unintelligent, but I think that he can be too trusting. And mm-hmm. he, I think, is is more of a, he cares more about interpersonal relationships than he does about really thinking things through. And he's also an optimist. Yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> he believes in people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wonder about him also, like, him just as so different than... Mako and I, I don't know if I mean obviously siblings can be different from each other obviously but I wonder if in some ways did he have more freedom to be more playful because Mako was being more responsible in certain ways uh, between the two of them I think it, at least at one point Mako seems to say something like that when mm-hmm. he's going and getting a job and then I think Bolin goes to the triple triads yeah uh, I think Mako's saying, you know, I was the one who's being responsible and smart, and you're the one who's going off and doing these bad decisions. And so I think there's definitely a an element of that there where, yeah, he, he didn't feel quite as overburdened with the responsibility, which let him develop his personality in a way that is a little bit more playful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm a fan of Bolin. <laughs> you? <laughs> It's not just because you would be Bolin of any of the characters. I definitely can't would be, be that Bolin. way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably second would be Asami, but I'm not smart or ambitious enough to be Asami. Would you be Asami at all? I think I've got some Asami in me. She's she's really loyal and supportive of her friends. I mean, I guess she was not loyal to her dad. She was until it became clear that he. I feel like she stands things. for her principles more so than, like, loyalty. Yeah, I, and I think that I, I share some of that. No, I, you never do that. <laughs> you're right. I'm not like any other character you're, than Bolin. <laughs> your friends could do terrible things and you'd stand by them. Okay, maybe I'm like Pabu. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Pabu's so cute, though. <laughs> so what plot did you bring? <laughs> So the the real reason you like Bolin is that yeah his playfulness is at no one's expense. I mean absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> My playfulness is at your expense. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about the Fire Nation dance party that Aang organizes because. Kids can't even play in band class. And that's just so antithetical to who Aang is. That, you know, airbenders are about freedom in a lot of ways. About 
not in the like American gross way of freedom, but like they are much more spiritual and much more in touch with hopefully themselves as well as the world around them and to have things in have things with rigidity is not anything about air or about how they are and so having to play this song on this specific beat with like no soul in it is just like you can't even dance while you do it exactly if you what was it you can march in place yeah, if you can't if you're control. overwhelmed with patriotic fervor <laughs> it wasn't those exact words but that's the idea yeah um so he plans this dance party because he's like these other kids like me need this and another thing that i always love about ang is that like he recognizes that he is a kid Mm -hmm. and kids should be acting like kids where it's not like i need to be older than i am (laughs) whatever he's like fully happy to be a kid and he wants other kids to be able to be kids as well yeah and yeah i think it's it's great because it's the first time that we get to really see a more humanizing of people from the fire nation Mm. and that's something that ang is so good with he lets people always have a chance yeah to change to make better choices like with the fire with the fire lord or zuko or any of these people um and to build a relationship with him he is always willing to be a friend to someone not see them just as an enemy mm -hmm. and even put himself at risk Mm -hmm. to do those things which he was doing here in this in this dance party situation as well and it's i mean it's just such an adorable plot line that it's like they should be able to have fun and be free and enjoy dance and music and all of these things. And it's also great that you see how quickly these other kids take to it yeah. and, and start enjoying it. And because they connected in an activity of an enjoyment together, then they covered for him and helped him escape. And in those moments, it didn't matter to them, you know, uh, on either side that these were Fire Nation kids. I mean, Sokka was the most one was like, <laughs> but they're evil or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, they're just kids, Sokka. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I just, I think that it is not just an adorable plot, but I think it's tapping into something real, into something very human and very potentially powerful in society because I know that there's been some organizations that have kind of focused on play for programs for like kids on the Palestinian Arab Mm. Muslim side and the Israeli Jewish side uh, of the conflict where they get kids together and have them form relationships through playing and even when it they don't speak the same first language they don't have the same religion they don't have the same status and privilege and access to resources Mm -hmm. but through play them 
building some relationships and you know them finding that through some of the studies they've done with this like you know 95 percent of the kid participants had like a warm feeling towards at least one of the kids on the other side after that experience and and i think that's very applicable here because they don't have the same access to resources. The Fire Nation kids still have the benefit of being a part of the Fire Nation, which is the Imperial power. Mm-hmm. But within that, they are still kids. And if you can form relationships and enjoy things as kids, like that can hopefully break down stereotypes um, as you go along. Yeah, absolutely. And And speaking of stereotypes, one of the things that I was thinking about was how Aang, while he's in this Fire Nation school, doesn't engage at all with the typical high school tropes that he's kind of jutting up against, <laughs> where he's got the jock guy who comes over yeah. and is like, you talking to my girlfriend? And Aang's just like, yeah, I was talking to her. I know. Like, hi, I'm Aang. Or, hi, I'm Kuzan. Like, yeah. <laughs> Want to be my friend? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the kids who seem like they're more nerdy then come up and mm-hmm. he's like, hi, I'm, I'm Kuzan. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's friends with Slay everyone. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just, there. there's no way that he becomes a part of a clique or starts any high school drama. Other people might try to have drama against him, but he just is him. And it's such a, a great example of, of how Aang is who he is, no matter who he is. Even if he's mm-hmm. Kuzon, Aang is Aang. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that episode. It, it It's probably my favorite episode. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so hard to choose. Good for you branching out on something that's that's a more non Zuko centric episode. Yes, but yeah, the the education aspect, <laughs> oh, of the, Aang the indoctrination, being Aang, yeah, all of that. The, I think is, yeah. is no, it, really it's great. a great episode. Yeah, yeah. But why don't we move into our compelling questions? Sounds good. What do you have for me? I was wondering what examples come to mind of you seeing play being harmful in these series. Interesting. Okay. So maybe we can talk about my question as well. Okay. Because my question is like, where do you see play having positive or negative roles in the lives of people in the series? Interesting. Yeah. So it, it overlaps. Okay. Um, so I'll just go with the negative ones. <laughs> Perfect. And we can go to positive afterwards. Your favorite. <laughs> if we've got time for the positive. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I was thinking about how sometimes it can lead Aang to be reckless. Mm. I think we definitely see this with his first firebending experience because he just wanted to have fun and play with the fire. <laughs> it's not a good idea, Aang. He, and he's used to be able to bend things in creative and happy and fun ways, but this is dangerous and it hurt Katara and then he stopped being able to learn and you know didn't he never even wanted to do it again right um and so I think you yeah you definitely see it having a negative effect there and also what you were talking about before like in Kyoshi Island him wanting to ride the giant koi and it's a dangerous thing to do, Aang. <laughs> and you are the avatar. Like, you have to be more careful than other people with just silly things like that. Yeah. Because you're the world's hope. <laughs> I think that episode's a really good example because he's also showing off a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
he's kind of taking these, yeah, more playful antics and trying to get positive affirmation because of it when that can only go so far when he's really needed because he needs to save the world. Mm -hmm. Not because he can airbend and no one else can airbend, but because he's the Avatar. And that, I think, is an interesting element where we see him being, yeah, perhaps too playful um, at a time when then Zuko comes in and literally burns down the village. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also... It, it helped in, in some ways <laughs> that they had no idea where they were going because they were just like going all over the yes. place around the world. <laughs> They're like, he's a master strategist. <laughs> and like, really, he's just like, oh, I want to go to show you this place. This place was fun. <laughs> exactly. He's just a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I was thinking about was with, the Ember Island players mm. and how I mean it's a hilarious episode yes. but you know all of these people are going to see this theatrical performance but it's like it's merging you know nationalistic imperial messages with play and doing so in a way that also is indoctrinating kids mm-hmm. as well in clearly negative ways (laughs) and that kind of reminds me of how that is really common in video games and movies and Mm -hmm. books and all of these things where they often have a nationalistic imperial or at the very least militaristic setting um and often kind of justifying the using those means for whatever end it is and yeah i think you see that there Absolutely. Not only that does it often have that imperialistic and militaristic perspective, but it also socializes people with specific gender roles and expectations. Mm-hmm. The the gender bending of Aang and Toph in the Ember Island players is taken in different ways, where mm-hmm. Toph as a huge muscly man loves that representation of her. Mm-hmm. Aang hates that he's represented as a girl in Mm -hmm. the play. And, you know, what does that say about the implicit values placed on masculinity and femininity in this world? And how stories can can lead to these really, really upsetting conclusions because that's how... Oh, I mean, that's exactly what happens in our society. It's like, oh, put the woman in a suit, and it's like, ooh, powerful, right? Mm -hmm. And then put a man in a dress, and somehow it's the butt of jokes, right? Exactly. So, which, yes, and that's definitely reflective of society. I thought it seemed a little bit much for Aang to be that bothered by that. Agreed. Because in the past, he'd been like, look it, like, there's Kiyoshi, my past self, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and they're like, oh, you were pretty, you know, and he he didn't mind at all, um, and he's never really minded that sort of stuff. It's like, oh, I'll put a flower, and, you know, he doesn't have hair, but like, behind my ear, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I felt that that was a little out of characteristic for Aang, but societal commentary, yes, absolutely. Totally. Can you think of any other examples? Oh, I'm sure there are other examples, but why don't why don't we hear what you have to say, if we must? Yeah, I think that there's a, a few other ones that came to my mind. One was the time that 
Zuko and Azula and all of them came to Ember Island. <laughs> yeah, that plays not so good. <laughs> Destruction of property. Destruction of property, injuring of people, mm-hmm. uh, and and yeah, they're supposed to be there for vacationing and, and all these other kinds of things, but they're also not kind to each other. Mm-hmm. And so you see them being really just jerks to everyone at that place and it kind of being their version of like a teenage party hangout but it's yeah very destructive in many ways in the same season i think the episode that you mentioned in our last avatar episode about the characters pulling cons in the fire nation oh yeah Mm -hmm. not great uh (laughs) both in a safety for them as an outlaw group in the fire nation way and also because you're cheating people of money yeah. I mean, if it was super rich people, okay, whatever. For sure. But, yes. But, yeah. Other people who are living on the streets, <laughs> mm, maybe don't cheat them. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Toph. Yeah, Toph. You could have stolen a buttload of Your parents' gold. money? Yeah, when you left home, but... <laughs> Another example you've brought up in previous episodes is Iroh playing Paralyzed. Oh, yeah, gross. Um, in order to grope a woman that he's supposed to be, find attractive, who's much younger than him and is actually paralyzed. Um, yeah. Yeah, not okay. And the bad. show playing it for a joke. Yeah, it's very, very bad, vile, terrible. Um, and then my last thing that I was thinking about was how, at times, play can be isolating. How Aang, for example, isn't allowed to play with the other Air Nomad kids. I know. Once they find out that he's the Avatar. And so, uh, similar to Zuko in Zuko Alone, who can't play with Azula and her friends and seems very isolated as a child as well. Um, well, and also, wasn't that something that happened with Iki as mm-hmm. well? It was like Milo and Janora were kind of being mean to her while they were playing, which absolutely happens with siblings. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it can it can cause conflict or it can be a source of a couple you know ganging up on the other one or yeah. whatnot yeah and when when you are left out of play something that is meant to be fun and enjoyable and community building mm-hmm. that i think is can be very painful so yeah yeah i think that there there's a number of examples that where we see how sometimes intentionally by the show and sometimes when the show is doing things in ways that could be better play can hide um some negative repercussions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well what do you think about positive roles that is an interesting question thinking about bolin earlier i kind of was talking about how he he i think identifies himself as someone who is good-natured and and playful i think Sokka identifies himself as someone who's funny yeah and for someone who is dealing with... With his, like, jerk-bending <laughs> joke where exactly. he's like, yep, I still got it. Like, <laughs> oh, Sokka. But it does give him a kind of confidence that, particularly when he's surrounded by benders, which we know for him is a source of insecurity. I think that can be good. As someone who certainly at that age gained a lot of my confidence from my humor. You I... don't still? <laughs> what, co- what confidence do I have anymore? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that that I think stands out to me as, as something that probably was was is good for Sokka, though he can also take it too far at times. Totally, yeah. I don't know if this answers your question the way that you'd want it to, but 
because it's not necessarily like a, a positive good, but I think it's narratively interesting, is the idea of pro-bending as a way of taking bending and gamifying it. Just as someone who, who loves board games and video games and things like that, the idea of building mechanics into something um, and, and seeing how that works is always really interesting to me. And taking three very different bending styles and, and creating an arena that allows all three bender bending styles to participate together, I think is is interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting as an application for bending in the series. I think as it would function in that society, it would be how sports function in our society where the players are put at risk. Mm -hmm. And if they're injured are probably not medically compensated in any good way, uh, if at all. And people just make a lot of money off of them. Yeah, I mean, our society, they can also make a ton of money, which we didn't see maybe quite as much of. I mean, I guess maybe a little bit more with Toph, mm-hmm. right? She was making a lot of money with her <laughs> earth wrestling bending yes. thing. Yes, true. Um, I love how even the way you say sports shows you <laughs> sports. Just like sports in our life. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it causes a lot of problems in society (laughs) or it contributes to and enables a lot of negative capitalistic enterprises. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I was also thinking about Pai Show and how it is bringing people together and like it is also used by the White Lotus because Mm -hmm. they care more about ideas they don't have loyalties in the same way to governments or something like that. Um, they have more loyalty to each other. And and using a game as part of that, I think, is really interesting. Yeah, that is really cool. And then also seeing in Korra, when we, we find out how there are different regional and class-based varieties of how Paisho is played and, and mm-hmm. the rules and, and things like that, which uh, is, I think, compelling in a societal way and also true to how games are played, where free parking in Monopoly is not an actual rule, <laughs> but everyone knows the rule. It's just, you know, these things kind of spread. Um, another thing I think is interesting is that we get to see, like, Airball, like the mm. little setup at the Southern Air Temple with Aang, and and also kind of with pro bending. You know, you see that games can help people learn how to bend better. Yeah, you know, um, or help them be able to see something in a different way that just learning and being taught by a master might not engage you in that way, like it did for Quorum. Or at least it helps you practice and exercise those muscles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was also thinking about in the in the last airbender with like them taking their little mini vacations mm. and it being yeah just this necessary break from the stress of hiding and training and being on the run um of course Sokka chose to go to the library yes and then Oppa was stolen <laughs> things didn't quite <laughs> go the right way but the fact that they took those little mini vacations I think was yeah a good smart thing for them to do and it would be hard for me in that circumstance not to be like Sokka where it's like we just need to keep training we need to keep going we need to find out information and figure out 
and like not spend the time relaxing that you should spend you Mm -hmm. know yeah yeah that's interesting cool well should we move into our missed opportunities that sounds good um mine is actually pretty brief but i think that one missed opportunity for avatar the last airbender is i would have loved to have seen more characterization of suki I think that Mm. she's a really interesting character that I would love to kind of see more of. And in particular, I think a way that that could have occurred is through seeing her humor. Because she starts dating Sokka. And Sokka is, like I said, the person who often defines himself by his jokes. And he's kind of actively putting these kinds of things out there. And I think it would be an interesting thing to see if... That is something that connects them together in a way. You know, Mm. how does she react to these jokes that he's always putting out? I think that she at least seems to support him in, you know, at the Ember Island players. She helps him get backstage to pass along jokes and things like that. But And she doesn't seem to take things too seriously. Totally. But, yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, does she take delight in those? Or does she roll her eyes in a way that for them is still charming and, and about their, their relationship. and Am I Suki and you're Sokka? Precisely, yes. <laughs> yes. Or is she actually supportive to her boyfriend? But that doesn't sound as entertaining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that this, this is just an example of how Suki has a lot of areas where she could have been more fleshed out in mm-hmm. the series, and this was one of the ones that came to mind. Totally, yeah. I would always be down for a little more Suki in the show. Yeah. What's your missed opportunity? Yeah, so mine is that you get to see so much play in The Last Airbender, Mm -hmm. and I just wish that we got to see more of it in Legend of Korra, Mm. because, like, they're only in their late teens, from what I understand. Yeah. And so you would think that, like, teenagers still play. They're not going to play in necessarily the same ways, but, you know, it's just, I kind of wonder, like, what interests do they share uh, besides pro bending for at least three of them and yeah like do they play games do they tell stories even when the movers come into it that's something that mainly Bolin's doing on his own they're not Mm -hmm. like all going together and enjoying movies and fried unagi balls (laughs) I don't know what it would be but (laughs) that sounds amazing by the way (laughs) Sorry, and now I just made you hungry. Yes, basically. Um, and I, I think also even the the adults, you know, how do they relax? Mm-hmm. What does play look like for someone like Tenzin or Lynn Bavon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you see it a lot more with uh, Su Yin mm-hmm. and how even how they use metal bending is in creative ways. But yeah, just, I, I wish we got to see it a little bit more with some of the the main characters. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and because not every character who's an adult should just be defined by their responsibilities. Um, but mm-hmm. what else is, is happening? I do like that at least in one of the few glimpses we see of adult Aang, we see him doing the same marble yeah. trick <laughs> with the same goofy grin on his face yeah. as we see him as a kid. So so that doesn't completely leave him. That was like the only time though. And yes, I'm like, true. he seems so serious the rest of the time. And it's like, I kind of get why. Like, yeah, he has a lot of responsibility. And if the weight of genocide and war and all of these things, you know, would take a toll, certainly, but... 
but he was so playful and yeah. like his personality shouldn't change entirely you know yeah exactly yeah but when we go to our takeaways what's yours yeah i'm thinking a lot about how incorporating play particularly in stories about children is such a great way of showing their lived experiences showing how they spend their time but also what's important to them how community and and groups are are built and and relationships are built and how that incorporates into these games um you know I, i know that there are mental health specialists who who work with children who use play therapy as a way of getting into insights into how that child interacts with the world and what what their thoughts and beliefs are and so Mm -hmm. i think that yeah games can kind of tell us that and and avatar does a good job of really spending the time to build games that have significance and weight as a form of world building and narrative that sometimes gets kind of lost like i still don't know what gobstones are you know i know that it's a game that wizards play but that's about it it's kind of like marbles i guess snap yeah i don't what happens when the cards explode you get a whole new deck i don't know any of these things a lot of that just feels like this is what normal kids do now let's add something magical to it and or it's like know that there are games but the characters don't actually care enough about yeah, them. Yeah, the main thing they do is they play chess, which the only difference is that the pieces move on their own and yell at you sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there's Quidditch. Okay, but now we're just, yes, we're just yes. talking about a different series. So. <laughs> Your takeaway is that it's different than Harry Potter. Yes. Better, I would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think that that's what I'm thinking. How about you? Yeah, I guess I'm thinking about the use of play... And how playful the series is, is kind of the key to its brilliance Mm. because it makes it accessible to kids while still bringing in all of the deep, intense ideas of imperialism, genocide, sexism, murder, you know, these different things. And they just balance it out so well because if it was only the play i just wouldn't care enough and if it was only the other stuff probably kids wouldn't care enough but they just have such a good melding of those two things and it it makes it so rewatchable and it makes it fun even while such serious things are being dealt with yeah i agree Hopefully the live action will hit that same sweet spot. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> It'll at least hit a sweeter spot than the last live action. I mean, it has to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it will. It can't like... be much more bitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what will we be discussing next week? Yeah, so next week we are going to be returning to Harry Potter, and we are going to be looking at the series through the theme of... Order and chaos. Oh, very interesting. Chaos, like Harry's hair. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find links to our social media and our website in the episode description, or you can join us at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That really helps us to keep the show sustainable, and it also gets you access to a bunch of fun extra content. Another way to help us out is by leaving us a rating or review 
in Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. That really helps us get new listeners. Or you can just tell a friend. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out! out.